I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It is All In Sports. Jake Seeley, as always. You know your host. You know to follow me at All In Kid. You should also know by this point, go to theathletic.com front slash All In Sports. You get 30% off. There actually might still be an offer floating around out there where you get a free t-shirt, too. It's better than my deal because mine doesn't have a t-shirt. But look for that one. If it's still active, I'm not sure. But either way, go over there. Go to the Athletic. Check the rankings column. I gave some advice on how to keep people involved. How do you get your playoff run and not overthink it? All this, Lots of good stuff over there. And a reminder, again, Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany, and myself, the Patreon.com front slash All In Sports is where you can get our extra information, our extra podcast, our extra show that we have coming out this week about an early look at 2019's draft. Hey, hey not the NFL draft, like the fantasy draft. And last reminder, it's the... Almost last chance for you to get entered. Go subscribe, rate the show, hopefully give it five stars, do all that stuff, screenshot it, tweet it to me, make sure I respond back with something acknowledging your tweet because the entries are almost done to get the signed mini Michael Thomas helmet that I'm giving it away. So do that. Time's almost up. I want to give it away. Hopefully somebody gets to really enjoy it. Kind of like still want to keep it for myself. But let's talk fantasy football today. Two amazing guests today. I promise you that. And to kick things off today, I have one of the brightest minds, at least in my opinion, and I know he probably agree for himself if I'm going to call him that. In the industry, it's Chris Harris. You follow him at Harris Football. And Chris, it's not just Harris Football. There's a lot that you have out there for people. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody? I mean, people should know, I'm assuming, if they're listening to this podcast, they're probably like, hey, yeah, I already knew about Chris. But just in case, your podcast, your books that you have on Amazon. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there that you have. <laughs> I'm still cracking up at the intro. That was funny. <laughs> I think he's a bright mind. He would probably agree. Nice <laughs> 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 intro in the history of podcasting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the YouTube channel is the thing that, that was new this year, right? I, I started yep. break, breaking down film on YouTube. So people go to youtube.com slash Harris football. But yeah, I'm out there doing a, a podcast five days a week. I, I, just counted. And in the calendar year 2018, I think I'm up to 117 podcasts. Woo. Yeah. That, you, you definitely need a break. You need, you need January to get here quick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Is, how, how's the book doing by the way? Tulsa. Yeah. It's a little apocalypse novel. It's my fourth novel. I, I give little writing projects to myself in the off season. Once it's no longer football season, it's, you know, it's the best selling book I ever wrote. It's not like it's a national bestseller, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, people like apocalyptic things. It's sort of <laughs> the concept of it is um, it's the, all the lights have gone, all the electricity has gone off. It's nobody knows why. And it's five months later. That's sort of the premise. And it's, you know, I'm one of them snooty literary types, but it's got some page Turner quality to it, I think. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty much, if you're talking about apoc apocalyptic type stuff, I think most people are like, ah, eh, zombies show up. I think I can handle it. I think the one thing is like, we don't want to lose electricity because <laughs> everything's going to crap. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely, <laughs> that, that is the premise of the book. All right. Well, speaking of things going to crap, yeah, how do you like that for a segue? <laughs> we have a lot of running back situations. And the first one I'm going to bring up now, of course, when you guys are listening to this, something might have happened with Gus Edwards by this point that you're listening. But as of now, when Chris and I are talking, Gus Edwards did miss practice on Tuesday. But we know that he's at least the option if playing, if healthy this week. Maybe they just have saving him because they had a huge workload. We don't know. Either way, it's his backfield now. You and I discussed on your podcast before the season started that neither of us were a fan of Alex Collins. And this isn't one of those like, hey, Chris, give me the baton. I'll give it back to you. Let's run our victory lap and celebrate and ha 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 in your face. I'm not doing that. I want to know legitimately as we talk on your podcast is what do you think of Gus Edwards? Because I'll give you real quick is I think that 
he does what Derrick Henry should do and just run north-south because that's what you can do. Don't bounce it outside, and that's what's making him so effective given the strength of the middle of the offensive line. But what have you seen from Gus Edwards? Is this possibly another you are not that thrilled with another running back from the Ravens, or do you see more potential? Because, again, for people that didn't know, you and I weren't big fans of Collins. Yeah, uh, I think no. Gus Edwards probably is not a future feature back either. Um, he's just he's very limited, but in a different way from Collins. He's he's a good, honest power back. He can be a compliment to somebody somewhere down the road, depending on how you configure your backfield. But just to watch him cut, he he just has to power down to cut. You know, he just doesn't move fast. But for NFL standards, by by you and me standards, he's great. But uh, I'm not a huge long term proponent of Gus Edwards, but uh, he is sort of a vindication of my not ranking Alex Collins very high this summer. And uh, like, I, yeah, I, I don't have him as high as most folks do for week 13. Um, I have him sort of in that low level RB2 range, 20, 21, 22. I can't remember. A little lower than that in PPR. Uh, it's gone great. And he's been helped by Lamar Jackson being in there. And he's been helped by some game flow that could or might or might not take you know, take place against Atlanta. Uh, I, I, I probably am ranking him. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest about it, I'm ranking him pretty close to where I had Collins all year, just in that. Okay. He's an RB two. I'm okay. Starting the numbers are maybe just a little bit deceiving from these first two games, but I recognize of course that a guy who is 230 pounds, like uh, Royce Freeman, for example, strikes me as a very similar player. Okay. Like, and Royce Freeman was obviously much more hyped than, you know, and, and was drafted and Gus Edwards wasn't, but uh, they can always get a touchdown. And so, you know, if, if you were telling me that Royce Freeman was getting a pretty nice workload as a part of a option-y kind of offense, then I would be pretty interested in him too as an RB2. But I don't think, I don't feel like I would like fall over myself to say, I'm benching, you know, Joe Mixon. I'm benching Matt Breida. I, I feel like I, I can use him as a flex. I'm not that super psyched about him as an RB2. Okay, well then, uh, I'm going to jump to another running back. Another similar situation. Well, not, not actually, a situation is completely different because what we've been dealing with with the entire year of the Eagles' backfield is Doug Peterson is a committee. That's committee running backs, committee running backs, committee running backs. And everybody, it's funny, Chris, is because I don't know if you had the fame, same feeling that I did, but it was like, hey, I know you guys are trying to tell me it's Corey Clement, but you were the same guys trying to tell me it was Wendell Smallwood, and you were the same guys trying to tell me it was J.H.I., and you were the same guys that are always trying to tell me it's... But now, not only did Josh Adams step in, not only did he get the pregame blessing of Doug Peterson saying they're going to use him as what a typical workhorse would be, he got injured in that game, came back, still touched the ball over 20 times, and it, for all sense purposes, was kind of their workhorse. What do you see from Josh Adams? Because I think there are a few, I think definitely think he's a different running back, but a few similarities to Edwards. But are we talking about the fact that it's a better opportunity for him in this offense? Or like my first question, what are your opinion on Josh Adams similar to the Gus Edwards situation? I think I like him as a as a prospect, as a player, as a talent more than I like Edwards. I, so the the dude I'm comparing him to is Latavius Murray, hmm. that upright, uh, taller, bigger running back who definitely. I mean, Adams had a long run called back by a really shaky holding call in that giant game. I'm yeah. sure you were watching. Yes, where your affinities lie, and you know, on that run, I think people go, "Oh, wait, he ran real fast there." You know, you give him a little bit of that long runway that Latavius Murray needs and I think he can probably scoot a little bit you know not not going to be an, a world breaker but I mean hey, Derek Henry can scoot a little bit if you give him the huge long runway um so so like if you told me Latavius Murray's on the Eagles and is in probably some kind of timeshare Corey Clement played an annoying amount in that game there's a little little too much Corey Clement for my liking even after Adams came back from being injured um but but still this is the NFL in 2018, you know, you're not just not going to get somebody who completely dominates work share. Like I would be, I would think, okay, that's once again, get me in that RB2 range, feel okay about him, understanding that a touchdown's on the table, understanding that there are other running backs like Edwards has Ty Montgomery, like Edwards might even have Buck Allen still. Like right. I, I feel like it's a fair neighborhood to consider them, even if I think Adams is maybe a little bit better. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a I, I'm I'm pretty much a hundred percent agreeing with you. I watched. I'm also a Notre Dame fan, so I've You've seen, seen a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's a lot of the exactly what you were saying is I feel like if you give him that good offensive line, that that's what you can see from Josh Adams. That's what you can get. Similar to your point about Derrick Henry, you get him rolling and. Yeah, you can see some big gains. The bigger concern, to your point, like you said, is also I don't expect a lot, if ever, anything from Josh Adams in the passing game. So I think that you're going to see Clement involved. Somebody's going to be involved, and that's why I'm with you, the RB2 range. So staying within this division, Colt McCoy steps in for Alex Smith, and of course you have the joke comparisons of like, oh, look, it's just Alex Smith all over again. But then you have some people out there who are saying, well, he's going to be more aggressive. But the problem I had when people were saying that is, being more aggressive is not always a good thing, Chris, because as we saw in that game, you throw interceptions if you can't throw the ball very well 20 yards downfield. Like, there is a, a extreme – I saw the numbers drop off as soon as you get to 20 yards downfield. It's almost like Colt McCoy just turns into Blake Bortles. It's, it's terrible. But what have you seen? Because he's been around for a long time, and, you know, this is his upteenth team where he's the backup. And kudos to him for being the hard worker that he is, that he's always out there – finding his way to stay as that backup because he loves the game so much. But we saw him benefit Jordan Reed and Josh Doxton. Is he another Alex Smith that is more aggressive and more risk taken? Or is this now, hey, guess what? Good good news, at least for Reed and Doxton, now that they have value. I think you put it so well, to be honest. I agree with the assessment. Like, how can you be an Alex Smith that takes risks? <laughs> That's like, I've got this... <laughs> I've got this blue shirt here and it's super, super green. Like, you know, it's, that's Alex Smith's de- defining quality is sure. He doesn't have a lot of upside, but I'm pretty sure I'm getting 15 fantasy points out of him every week, you know, right. most of the time because I, he's just going to never turn it over. So how can, I don't think that's a thing that can happen. So <laughs> I, I'm with you that it's re- not really a smart comparison to say, I mean, it's the same offense. I mean, Colt McCoy's been in that offense longer. I could imagine he probably knows it more instinctively better, but, in the end, it's not going to be a set of revolutionary plays that Colt McCoy can run that Alex Smith doesn't or whatever. And I mean, were all of those interceptions on Thanksgiving the result of aggression? I would argue maybe maybe one of them, maybe two of them. Like, there's also just some. I would actually put it at one and a half. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there was just like a dumb decision, like a dumb throw in there where it's you know that's not a matter of aggression. It's just don't throw that ball. Um, I think in the end. I would need to see some sort of revolutionary shakeup in order to consider Washington a, a vastly different audience, uh, audience offense relative to what it was with Alex Smith. I, I think it's probably going to be the same thing. I mean, what's the bigger story here? Is it that Colt McCoy's the quarterback and Alex Smith isn't, or is it that they have no offensive linemen that are healthy and that, <sighs> You know, I, I want to use Adrian Peterson and on my show, actually on Wednesday, we talked a lot about uh, Adrian Peterson with Heath Cummings from CBS and Heath's like, dude, I think you're a little high on Adrian Peterson. It's not so much about the numbers. If you're watching, you're just seeing the avalanche. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a terrible point. It feels to me like that's the bigger factor. And yet, I don't know. Like, I think it's still in that division. It's not a very good division. And they could absolutely go to Philadelphia and win. I think they could. So... I'm not going to, I mean, Jordan Reed's problems seem to go way beyond uh, the quarterback. It just seems like Jordan Reed is an inconsistent person, and that's what we're learning. And Josh Doxson, please, 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 Josh Doxson, I'm not going to play that game. Not you, <laughs> but like the people who want me to put Josh Doxson 20, it's like, no, what? No, we're, I can't get him in my top 50. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling Colt McCoy Alex Smith, but I'm also not calling for big change in the way we regard these Washington weapons right now. All right, that's fair. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you agree with the assessment of Adrian Peterson, when you feel like it's a good start, you bench him. When you feel like you should be scared, that's when he goes golf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It is sort of true. I mean, really, they're not playing with a professional-level offensive line, and yet... Yes, that's true. I'm not, I'm not savvy enough to be able to break down offensive line game film and tell you for sure that the, the substitute names that we don't know as well utterly can't play. I certainly, you know, the, Peterson wasn't the problem, nor was he necessarily like going to do, there was, nor was the offensive line really the problem against Dallas. Like that was just a, sort of a non-functioning offense in general that Colt McCoy kept shooting himself in the privates, you know? Yes. So <laughs> like I, so I go... 
uh, let's let's go back to the previous game where the yards wasn't great and he had a couple of short touchdowns and whatever the touchdowns are hard to say they recur but um I, it is a tough when a player we didn't expect to, it's like you have to bend yourself in a pretzel a player we didn't expect to be any good because he really wasn't good last year peterson no, yeah with the saints or except for with one game with the cardinals when it, when that dude suddenly looks fantastic and it's not just about situation, it's actually him. You're watching him. You're in the area. You watch him play. You see every game probably. And yeah. you're like, where'd this come from, dude? All of a sudden you're good again. <laughs> and then the line gets hurt and we're like, oh, he's dead. And then he has one of his best outings with that new line. Like it's gone back and forth so many times that I think my instinct is to just start him. Um, but I also get the idea that says maybe I have better options. Yeah, it's it's kind of wide receiver wise. I kind of feel like it's the Deshaun Jackson. Like if you bench him and try to play the matchups, you're going to miss half the good games, and you're yeah. going to get half the stinkers. Like it's just either, like you said, put him in your lineup all the time, or you probably have better options. You just move on. It's just yeah. it's almost freeing. So, all right, we have another situation of running backs kind of giving us a frustrating, and this is one where. I don't expect you and I don't expect anybody out there to have the definitive answer because to say, as you often do on your show, to say that we would is kind of lying to people, but it's, we're going to a game with no Leonard Fournette because of his suspension. And now we're looking at Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon. And we've seen yep. TJ Yeldon before, and we've seen him be very effective. And we all know the talk out there of that this offense actually does better at times with TJ Yeldon and he averages more per All that being said is we haven't really seen the true Carlos Hyde's been enough with this team to be to, uh, integrated into this offense as a potential lead. So if you're going into this week to talk about your rankings, are you ranking Carlos Hyde higher or are you ranking TJ Yeldon higher? Because I honestly think there's a case for either one of them. There is. And you're right. I mean, in the end, I'm not ranking either in must-start territory because of exactly what you're saying. I don't know, and therefore it's tough for me to go, oh, definitely like top 24 running back, either, either guy. I don't, I don't have either in my top 24. I don't, I don't believe it's possible in PPR. I'm close on Yeldon. But I, I guess I sort of split the baby. I, in standard, I have Hyde a little bit higher. In PPR, I have Yeldon a little <laughs> bit higher. Um, and I'll, t I'll tell you, like, so the Buffalo game the disastrous Buffalo game in which Fournette gets suspended and they lose a ridiculous game. Hyde was working as the, as the secondary lead back. So, I mean, the Jags were absolutely throttling them on the offensive line before Andrew Norrell got hurt. I, I grant you, but uh, they were, I mean, Fournette had gained big gain after big gain and ha kept having come out of the game. He was exhausted. So there were two separate series in which Fournette tagged out. Hyde is the one who came in. He got two carries apiece, and then Fournette would, would come relieve him again. And, and on those four carries, he too was fantastic. He looked like a slightly less big Leonard Fournette and was looking like we expect Carlos Hyde to look. Again, someone who doesn't have a lot of lateral agility, is, a, is an honest power back, is going to run into things. The Gus Edwards type, a little, little bit better than Gus Edwards, but... Um, I sort of, that, that was new. That, that hadn't been the case in the previous games that Hyde had been with the Jags. And I definitely took note. And then when Fournette uh, got thrown out, from that point forward, like the snap count is definitely in Yeldon's favor. I think it was 14 to nine, but I think like 10 of those snaps came in the two minute drill at the end when they're losing right. by 10 and, and you know, it's over basically. So like, okay, let me ask you, I'm going to turn, I'm going to be the interviewer to you. Like, there's a leading question, but you just benched your quarterback and Cody Kessler is now starting. You just fired your offensive coordinator. What's the preferred game plan here? Is the preferred game plan to spread him out and throw it to Yeldon? Or is the preferred game plan, let's, let's be as close as we can be to what it's like when we have Fournette and see how long we can make that work. And against the Colts a few weeks ago, they it was a three-point game. They were close the whole way. Right. I, like, I just don't think Yeldon can do the Leonard Fournette. Do you think Yeldon can do the Leonard Fournette running, the Leonard Fournette game no. plan? No, and that's actually, to your point, why I, as you said, split the baby and went Carlos Hyde higher in a non-PPR because I feel that will be their... Like, if this was a different team and they weren't facing the Colts, maybe we'd have a little bit more discussion about opening things up, changing up the offense. But if you're talking about, as you said, if, if you're asking somebody to step in and be Leonard Fournette. It's funny you said that. I said the exact same thing in my article this week. If you're asking one of these two guys to be Leonard Fournette, it's Carlos Hyde. He's the only one Obviously. that can be. So 
I'm with you. I, I think they try to do very similar because what do you want to do right now too is Andrew Luck is back. We all know he's back. He's been back for weeks is you need to slow down that offense and keep it off the field. So grind the clock with the offense running the ball and hopefully your defense actually shows up for once. Right. Right. I mean, that would be the plan. If it were me, that would be the plan. And so that would tilt you toward Hyde. But of course, if the plan doesn't work and you're losing by three touchdowns, you're going to see a lot more yelled in, right? So (laughs) people who it's whoever want, it's like you see what you want to see. If you want to see a yelled in game, you can say, oh, they're going to be losing big. If you want to see a Hyde game, you say, well, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they try to run the Fournette game? And and the the fact is they just played, right? So to say that it's impossible that Jacksonville stays with them in Indianapolis, it was a tie game with no time left and Infinitary kicked the winning field goal. Yeah. So I can't, I can't look at this and say, I'm for, I'm for sure, I know absolutely 100% that the game flow is such that the Colts are up three touchdowns. Could happen, but it's, it's the, the right, the smartest thing we, either of us could say is what you said to introduce it. It's like, nobody, nobody knows. We don't know how it's going to go, and that probably limits the usability of either one. Exactly. I, I agree with you. All right. So let's, we're going to do a little time travel here. We're going to go back to 2011 to see what your opinion was on Jeff Driscoll because he's the quarterback for the Bengals now, at least for the rest of the season. Because I want to ask you what you think it does to this offense because you know this. You talk about this all the time. And that's what I love about it is like people get so caught up in whatever narrative they want. Like you'll have the, well, Joe Mixon is going to be hurt because a quarterback is going to struggle. And, but then you're like, well, maybe they'll lean on the run more. So Joe Mixon is going to be better. Like you can spin it however you want because people create all of these narratives and all these situations in their mind of what's going to happen. But I want to know your opinion on Driscoll as a player and what he's going to do. Because when I, I'll tell you, Chris, when I think of Jeff Driscoll, to me, he's like the playground quarterback. He's the guy out there that's like, if, you got, if you're playing with your boys, he's going to impress everybody. There's going to be times you're open downfield and you're, he's going to throw you, overthrow you by 10 yards and you're going to come back like, dude, I'm not that fast. Like, he's going to, it's just because if you watch him, he's kind of like, he's very athletic, but he doesn't know how to throw people open. And then, as I said, he overthrows half the time. I just, I feel he, like I said, I feel like he'd be fun to play quarter, like football with, but I don't want him playing quarterback for my NFL team. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I remember him from Florida. That seems like a long time ago, but I remember him being like a a really heralded prospect and and people thought he was a pro. And I mean, obviously he flamed out and, you know, he couldn't keep that job. Um, He's he's a big kid. He runs really, really well. And there have been little moments of sparks these games when he's come in because he's played Wildcat. I don't know if people realize that, but this isn't just a matter of Dalton being out and now Driscoll's in. There have Driscoll has played quite a bit this year. Little dribs, little drabs here and there. Um, I think my feeling generally is when worse players play at quarterback, it's worse for everybody. Yeah. And I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan. I'm, I think Andy Dalton's, that was a horrible second contract. And I think it's, he's the reason that they, when they had a, a championship roster around him, that they couldn't win a playoff game. And, like, I don't like Andy Dalton very much, but I think he's better than Jeff Driscoll, I think. I don't mind the idea of taking a look. This season seems pretty well cooked, but I don't... I think anybody who would say, oh, and, and this means it's really good for Joe... Mm, I, I think... I'm not, I'm not necessarily... I think it's just a bad matchup against Denver, and let's see how it goes. I have Mixon lower than usual, more because I respect Denver's defense. But uh, I think the argument that goes, ooh, worst quarterback is playing, yay, running back. <laughs> that's a fairly specious argument because what you need is a functioning offense. And when it's too easy to defend, when they know that the quarterback can't make plays, when they can play closer up to the line, yada, 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 all that stuff, it feels like that does not work out. Mm. Uh, no, you're I'm definitely right about that one. All right, last one. We'll get you out of here. We'll get you back to your travels over here on the East Coast this week, freezing your tail off, yeah. as you said yeah. before. Yeah. Kenny Galladay. And the Lions offense as a whole. If we watch this, this is another one where at least I feel like it's not so much Matthew Stafford taking a step back this year. Is that the offensive line is not doing any favors? I don't know. I'm just, this is, hey, I'll admit it, 100% speculation is you look at what Jim Bob Cooter did last year and you look what's going on this year. I feel like Patricia at least got in his head a little, like he said, change things up a little bit because it's definitely not the same offense you saw last year, offensive line or not. And now, Obviously, you got the trade of Golden Tate. You got the injury to Marvin Jones. You've got basically no tight ends of worth to speak of. So I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford is, should be having an amazing season, but now that it's just down to Kenny Galladay, is this a situation where you look at similar to with the Jeff Driscoll? Is it, is it 
well, it's the Corey Davis argument. He's going to be getting 30% of the targets every single week, so top 15 wide receiver. Or is it he's the only guy left? Why are teams not just going to double and triple cover him? And Stafford's been so off this year that I'm not that excited. I guess I'm I'm excited because I'm so in the tank for Kenny Galladay, just ability-wise. I honestly think he's A.J. Green. I think he's going to be a superstar. And he's made enough plays in every game, really, where I well, I mean every game, but close to every game <laughs> that I go, that have the wow factor that say, well, it wasn't even that good of a throw, but the body control and the ability to box out with the big body and the hands. And so I guess... I'm continuing to rank Galladay in the top 15 because it's much more about the player, what I think he's capable of. When he goes off, I think he'll win you a week. Um, Stafford hasn't played well. He's probably not the primary problem, but certainly, I mean, we watched the Bears game. I mean, <laughs> there are certainly, there were plays that if he doesn't make a stupid throw, they could have won that game. They, they, they definitely could have won that ha- game. Hasn't Stafford. that been Stafford always, though? <laughs> it's yeah. not really much yeah. different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I mean, I guess this year, just the numbers aren't... We, we call him Stat Padford on, on my podcast. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, he hasn't padding, been padding a lot of stats. Um, so, for sure, we're, you know, we're down off... The offensive line was bad last year, though. So, we're down on, uh, on, the, on the offensive line. Not having carry on Johnson really matters. You know, he's, he's a good player. Um, and then, for sure, you take away good receivers, that hurts. That hurts the quarterback. Uh, I'm, I think if Karrion Johnson plays, I'm, I'm quite interested in using him and I'm always going to wind up being interested in using Galladay. It's one of those, you know, the whole, the whole idea, like I'm going to be able to predict how a game goes and therefore I'm going to be able to start guys based on that. I sort of have built my career saying that people shouldn't do that, but I'll <laughs> tell you the Chiefs and Rams have kind of put the light of that a little bit this, this year. It's been kind of good to be playing the, you know, start the quarterback who's going opposite the Rams. So in a lot of years, I might be like, oh, I kind of want to use Matthew Stafford because I, I, how is this not a complete shootout type situation? Right. Uh, yeah. I think I ranked Matthew Stafford number 21 this week. I just, I think I don't want any part of it. I, it, it feels, I mean, there's going to be a new offensive coordinator. There's going to be a lot of new players. And I, it feels to me like this is a, this is a kind of a gots to go situation. Maybe I don't particularly want to play. Yeah, that, that's certainly fair. All right, I appreciate your time, Chris, especially because you took time on your trip out to visit this East Coast and family and everything like that. Uh, once again, I already told everybody at Harris Football, but remind everybody because you know how people don't always listen to the beginning anyway. Remind everybody everything you got going on the podcast, the YouTube channel, all that type of stuff. I want to make sure they're following your stuff. Yeah, actually, if you just follow on Twitter at Harris Football, you'll you'll see it all. But HarrisFootball.com has everything. Um, I would love for for folks to check out the podcast. I mean, obviously, we're at the end of the fantasy season, so people are probably not looking for new listens <laughs> because you're just like, I do five a day, I do five a week, man. Like, if you're 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 committing to a lot to jump into my podcast, but uh, I would love for folks to just sort of make them make them note of it and really more than anything, check out the YouTube channel because those are little ten minute shows and uh, like. On Wednesday evening, we posted one where I broke down game film of Austin Eckler and DJ Moore, just talking about, all right, well, I mean, they have opportunities. Their numbers have been pretty good. Like, what do they actually look like? What do we think it'll look like going forward? And I, the, the response to that, we got to 20,000 subscribers real quick. So, wow. Uh, response has been good. So, I, I, that would be awesome if folks want to check out youtube.com slash Harris Football. Well, highly recommended. And I appreciate it again. Thank you, Chris. You got it. Thanks for having me, Jake. All right, it's Thursday, so you know that means it's time for Co-Knows. It's James Coe. Follow him at James D. Coe. He's part of The Athletic. He's part of the Fantasy Zone on Sunday mornings. He's for, well, hold on. Before I leave anything out, because I feel like you're so many things, James, there might be like one, and I know I always do this to you, but I'll let you do it, even though I just gave half of it away anyway. So <laughs> I think you gave it all. <laughs> Is that all of it? I, just, I always feel like there's something else, like another show or something that you're doing, and I always forget it. Nope, I think I think you got it. It's Fantasy okay. Zone on DirecTV yes. Channel Seven Hundred Four. That's Sunday mornings, an hour right. before kick. The Athletic, the uh, Co Knows column comes out every Friday. Okay, um, I think I think that's it. You could follow me on Twitter too at James D Co. I do a pretty good job answering questions. I, and maybe that's uh, why I just I feel like you're one of the few people like myself who's pretty dang active on Twitter, and I'm always seeing the, the next gen stuff pop up and all your questions. So I I just always feel like you're super busy all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do try to pop off a lot of next-gen stuff on on Twitter, too. Um, I try to stay pretty active there. And, um, 
And yeah, I mean, look, man, we're, 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 you know, relatively young dudes here covering the sport. So obviously <laughs> we're going to be on Twitter, man. Yes. All right. So before we jump into this, I want to ask you a question and see how you would vote because I put a poll out because this is what happened. So my home league, it's a longstanding friends, family. Like there's actually family members in it. Like, so we've been around, it's around a long time. Like I always say, if you would have texted me at 102 and you're like, hey, I was at church. I didn't realize that somebody got yanked like right before is there any way you could swap out the player? I'd probably be like, yeah, it's us. Like, it's cool. Like, you know, if you don't have to do it. That, so I'm just putting that to the side. Now, also, it's a keeper auction. So our trade deadline isn't the week of Thanksgiving. It's this week. It's the week after. Oh, okay. Because, okay. you know, there's still people like, oh, I'm just trying to trade for next year. I'm just trying to get keepers. I'm trying to get somebody like, somebody just traded for Quilton Sutton because he's $6 next year. So that type of stuff. Perfect. Our trade deadline was midnight last night. Everybody was trying to work out deals. We had like three go from between 11 and midnight. Hmm. And two people were working on one and didn't get done until 1245. So if you're in this league or even the commissioner or whatever, do you say, all right, it's us, no problem. I understand you were trying to work on this deal. Or are you on the side of deadline is a deadline. You knew it was midnight. You didn't get it done. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very much of a, I'm not very big on following rules. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make one. I, the next day. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm always going to be firmly entrenched on the side of, ah, just let it slide. Who cares? Not a big deal. It's fantasy football for God's sakes. That's how I feel. I didn't realize there were so many cutthroat people in my league. Apparently the, the votes now split. It's, we have three yeses, three no's and three. I don't want to make the decision. <laughs> Hey, there you go. I think I think those people who don't want to make a decision, I think they're voting on uh, who cares. Yeah, the, the who cares. I think that's yeah. what that's what I like too. I put it out to Twitter. I'm surprised it's as close as it is. It's fifty one forty nine. I'm not. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, fifty one forty nine. Which way though? Yes. Like fo- 50, follow the rules. Yeah. No. To yes. Let it. So I put yes. Friends. No biggie. Or no rules. Or rules. Boo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I said, it's fantasy football. It's not a huge deal. And um, I mean, first of all, is it is it large stakes or no? It's fifty bucks a person. First eh. place is like three hundred. Yeah, it's not huge. I mean, you know, I mean, there's somebody going to be listening out there, and be like, "Oh wow, I wish I played a fifty dollar." Like, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it we all play depends. for poker chips and snacks. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly, man. So no, look, it's not huge stakes. I mean, you know, but it's uh, there's some there's some stuff on the line. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, if if two managers can agree to a trade, I mean, here's the other thing. It's not it's not like you're, it's not like it's like tipping the the balance of power in the league. That that's a little no. Because here, here's but, the trade too. So the trade is the one guy gets Brita, Julio, Austin Hooper. The other person gets Deion Lewis, Galladay, and Travis Kelsey. Wow, these are blockbusters. It is. Um, I mean, that's that's not even an unbalanced trade. I mean, no, it's not. I mean, you know, you're getting some you're getting some keeper value, and you know, obviously, you get Julio and Kelsey moving in the deal. But yeah, I mean, there's certainly some big parts. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's yeah, it's not it's not an unfair trade. So yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's two managers they worked it out. Who cares? You know. Yeah, I'm with you. Apparently, I mean, look, it's different too. If it's like, oh yeah, like seven days later, it's like, oh yeah, we want to trade. It's like, nah, dude, come on. Now. Let's, <laughs> let's, or even seven hours. I mean, it's twelve forty-five. It's forty-five. Right. Hours. I mean, come on. Yeah, I agree. All right. Yeah. So let's dive yeah, into let's the. Let's not take it so seriously. <laughs> exactly. Let's dive into the fantasy football stuff. And uh, there's one off the top is we have the Colt McCoy situation, and there's been a lot of discussion about it. I actually talked about it locally here on the Washington Huddle show that I do, and the guy, the, the host of the show is like, I'm excited because I feel like Colt McCoy is going to be more aggressive. And I said, well, here's two things. is Colt McCoy, sure, he's going to be more aggressive, but as we saw, that's not necessarily a good thing because he's going to throw interceptions because once you get past 20 yards downfield, Colt McCoy kind of sucks if you've seen the numbers. It's, it's, it's a stark <laughs> drop-off. I'm sorry, Colt McCoy is never coming on the show, apparently. But I mean, it's true. You could go look at the numbers. A lot of people put them out there. It's just this, it just falls off a cliff after you get past 20 yards. But it's more so, whatever that may be standing, I don't think anybody's relying on Colt McCoy to win their league. But what right. we've seen from when he came into the game, he immediately looked a lot to Jordan Reed and a lot to Josh Doxson. Last week's game, those are the two places he went the most again. He actually even got Vernon Davis involved because he's looking to the tight end a lot. 
And I know you have some numbers on Josh Doxson, which is exciting for some people, or maybe it's not, uh, because people have been waiting for Josh Doxson for a while. So is there anything here where maybe we have a potential wide receiver three on our hands for the rest of the season? Yeah, you know, I think we do. Um, and, and quite honestly, if we're following the volume trend, then, you know, it might even be better than that. Uh, I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I was able to split out, you know, the volume stats with um, percentage-wise, you know, shares between, you know, Alex Smith and Colton McCoy. And Josh Doxson with Alex Smith saw a 13% target share and a 19% air yard share, all right? So he saw 19, 19.6% of the air yards with Alex Smith. With Colt McCoy, those numbers basically double. So a 31% target share and then a 38.8, so nearly 40% air yard share. So we're talking double, almost triple the target share, really, if you're thinking about it. But let's just say double the targets, double the air yards. Um, and the 30-40 number is important, right? So we're not going from like 10 to 20 or, you know what I mean? So it's not like a 10-20 split. It's a 30-40 it's a split. So 30% target share, 40% area share. The reason that's important is because when you start looking at that kind of volume, that's top 10 wide receiver type stuff. Um, and I'm not saying necessarily that Josh Dox is going to be a top 10 wide receiver because the, the quality of the targets obviously matter. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, Colt McCoy throwing it more than 20 yards downfield is uh, an issue. It's a, bit, it's a bit suspect. There's no question. You're being so, very kind again. <laughs> yes. Look, the quality of the targets absolutely matter, but volume matters too, right? So 30-40 for me is a big, that's a big indicator of, okay, this guy's got a really great chance at finishing as a top 25 wide receiver. Uh, the rest of the year. Look, I know it's a small sample size. We're talking about basically a game and a half. Um, but uh, look, if if we're approaching those numbers at all, if we're talking, you know, twenty five percent target share and twenty five percent air yard share, that's still tremendous. Um, and, and that to me is a locked and loaded, you know, top thirty wide receiver. So I think he's if he approaches those volume stats. And quite honestly, I don't necessarily know if there's any reason not to believe it. I do think he's worth an ad, and he's absolutely worth a stash. Is he worth a start? Well, I mean, that's it's largely up to the type of player that you're looking for. But uh, in a 12-team flex, 100%. I, I think he's absolutely worth a flex this week against Philadelphia, a team whose secondary is just all kinds of banged up. So uh, yeah, I, I think Doxson is worth a flex start in 12-team or deeper leagues. In DFS, I think he's an automatic play. I think he's an automatic play uh, in DFS. Yeah, that's very interesting. I know a lot of people that have been waiting for Doxson are going to be excited to hear that because it feels like, you know, he was kind of in that classification with the Kevin White and the Devontae Parker and all like, oh, my right. God, can, is it ever going to happen? And fin Finally, it looks like we might get one of them to come through. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I just say this too? I look, he's a first round no. talent, obviously. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, <laughs> look, he's a first round. You're right. Everyone's been waiting for him. He's largely been a huge bust, and this is not really a question of talent for me. It's just a straight question of just straight up, like just take the name off the jersey. If any player was seeing thirty forty, I, I just I, I would be excited about it. You well, know, it, you're right. It doesn't that's matter. The argument for Corey Davis this entire time. It's like these guys seeing thirty percent. That's the argument, and we're now giving for Kenny Galladay that the fact that all their receivers are gone, and you know, it's Matthew Stafford still looks miserable this year. It's the argument. Well, Kenny Galladay is going to see thirty percent for the rest of the year, right? I, and I think, and I think there's a lot to that. Look, there's going to be some volatility. Every position has volatility, and unless you've got, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, we're not talking about Antonio Brown. Right? It's like, okay, I get it, you know, but we're talking about a guy who's going to be a volatile play. Yes, but the volume stats are there. You know what yeah. I mean? Corey Davis, if you've, you know, you've cashed in those chips the last two weeks, you know what I mean? So it's great. Kenny Galladay, same thing, as you mentioned, seeing tons of targets, tons of air yards. These are guys that you want to be playing as your wide receiver two or flex plays. It's because they come with such tremendous upside. Uh, and, and I think that I think there's a lot to that. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of the volume, this is a really good transition because I want to bring up Jarvis Landry. And I don't know if you have any additional next gen stats. You just want to jump into him as an opinion because I, it, so 
this is one of those scenarios where a lot of times like the right result doesn't always mean it was the right process. And conversely, we've a lot of same times process doesn't always mean you get the result you want. And why I say that is because I was down on Jarvis Landry to start this year because mm -hmm. I look back at his four year career and he's almost flat across the board on points per targets, whether it was non PPR or PPR. PPR was, I think, one six, one seven, one eight, one seven. So basically pretty flat. And I said, if the targets go down with Josh Gordon and the rest there, it's a, it's, we're talking 10, 15 spots at the wide receiver position. Now, why I say that initial part about the process and all that type of stuff is because Josh Gordon is gone, and now it looked like it might change. Okay, well, he's going to be getting his double-digit targets because he did for a little while there. But now May Baker Mayfield's kind of settled into this Drew Brees where I'm just going to throw it to who's open. I don't care who you are. I'm just going to what's out there. And now Landry's not seeing those double-digit targets. So the question I say to you, James, is is Jarvis Landry, because of the numbers, because of what we've seen for his career, is he so dependent on targets that he's now, quote-unquote, done and maybe only a wide receiver three that you could potentially even bench? I think you can absolutely bench him. I've got him in league. I'm going to bench him. I mean, I, I, don't really see, I don't really see the upside. I mean, wh where is the – Look, he, he's seeing on the year, he's seeing 30-30 split, right? So 30% target share, 30% air yard share, which is good. Um, but what has he done with these targets? You know, it's like he hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns as per usual. Last year was a total big-time anomaly, obviously. Um, but, I mean, it's just – I just don't see upside with him. Uh, he's not seeing a ton of volume. Um, you know, 30% target share is great, um, but – you know, right now with Freddie Kitchens as the OC, this is a run first team, you know, in my mind. I think Nick Chubb, they want to get him going. They want to get Duke Johnson involved. Uh, again, I know last week was not great for Duke, but still, uh, I think overall with a running backs coach as your OC and a defensive coordinator as your head coach, I think they just want to keep this as a ball control offense, you know. And right now, to me, Jarvis Landry is not that guy. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly, man, he's just not – somebody who can break big plays. He's just not that guy. Um, he's a great possession receiver, somebody that is a really good real-life football player, uh, somebody that I think any team would be, would, would be ecstatic to have. But it's just, for fantasy purposes, those targets that he's getting, how many are, he, are you know, will he take to the house? How many can he break for big plays? I think we have a pretty large sample size now yeah. to say he's not going to do that. That's just not the kind of player he is. He's a catch. He's a catch guy. And, you know, if he works the edges, he's going out of bounds. He's just not going to – he's not a guy that's going to take it to the house. That's just – I just don't see him as having, like, a, a very large upside. All right, so you said take the name off the jersey. So here's another one. And I wish in my mind I could take the name off the jersey because I just have such an ingrained feeling with this player that it's, it's, it happens. I'll admit it. We do our jobs, and we're supposed to be 100% unbiased. And yet still there's that, that level of I really like a player, so I want to find ways to pull for him. And I, as best as you can be, and we do our analysis, and I do leave it out, and I'm sure you leave it out as too, where it's just 100% factual, 100% what we see. At the same time, when it comes to my own fantasy team, that's going to be a little bit different. And why I say that <laughs> is because right. I, like, I've recommended picking up Adam Humphreys. I've recommended mm. starting Adam Humphreys. I've said if you look at the numbers and you look at the volume and you look at the one person that's consistently out there and snaps – you want Adam Humphreys and you want to start him in a PPR. Now, as a person, I don't own Adam Humphreys anywhere because I feel like he's just been that guy that every time I finally said, fine, Adam Humphreys, you're on my team. I have to buy in now. That's the week where Adam Humphreys goes back to being Adam Humphreys. <laughs> what are your feelings on him? Because if I could, that's what I'm saying. If I could strip the name off the back of his jersey, I probably own him in like half my leagues. Yeah, you know, um, I think he's absolutely worth an ad. Um, for me, Adam Humphreys is somebody that, you know, it's surprising to see the numbers, man. But, you know, look, over the last five games, the guys averaged 16.6 .6 fantasy points per game in PPR. That's really good, man. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I, was, I was stunned by that because I was, starting to get, I was starting to get a lot of Adam Humphreys questions. And I'm like, why am I getting Adam Humphrey questions? And then I go and look at Adam Humphrey. 16.6 .6 fantasy points per game over the last five games? I I'm actually really surprised by that. 
Um, look, if you're going to play them, this is a, a pretty good week to play them. So uh, have some next-gen matchup data uh, for your listeners out there. But Carolina has allowed the fifth most yards and the second most touchdowns to the left side of the field. Okay, so we're talking just purely left side of the field. Fifth most yards, second most touchdowns. Adam Humphreys is the most productive Tampa Bay player on the left side. Over the last uh, over the last six weeks, okay, Humphreys leads Tampa Bay in receptions, yards, and touchdowns to the left side of the field. More than Mike Evans. More than Mike Evans. He's got more receptions, more yards, more touchdowns than Mike Evans over the last six weeks on the left side of the field. So it's an area where Tampa Bay, or excuse me, Carolina is weak. It's an area where Adam Humphreys has absolutely thrived over the last six weeks. And again, I think that's a pretty large sample size, you know, six weeks of data now, right? So it's not like we're talking, you know, a game and a half or two games or whatever. It's six weeks. And Adam Humphreys is out there. As you mentioned, he's out there a lot. He's fully utilized in, this, in, in the game plan. Uh, maybe it has something to do with Dirk Cutter calling plays and, you know, drawing up plays for Adam Humphreys using the slot a little bit more, maybe protecting the ball a little bit more too if, you, if we're trying to think about it from a, a real-life, you know, game plan perspective. Tampa Bay's had a lot of turnovers. They've lost a lot of games because of turnovers. Why not go to a slot, an underneath slot guy? Why not go to somebody where uh, the possession, you know, is going to be a little bit more secure? Throwing downfield has a lot of upside and has a lot of risk too. Um, and obviously Tampa Bay has been bitten by the risk a lot. So maybe there is somewhat of a shift here in the, in the offensive game plan. And maybe Adam Humphreys is going to be the guy that continues to excel. Yep, just not on my team, unfortunately. Not everybody else's <laughs> team. I told you to do it. Just not on mine. Uh, real quick, I forgot to bring this up when we we're talking about Jarvis Landry. I yeah. wanted to talk about Baker Mayfield, and there's an interesting question I put here for you, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. Is Baker Mayfield now in must-start territory? Are we? Is Baker Mayfield potentially now matchup proof? I don't think he's matchup proof. I think he is a, a player that you know you can play with matchups last week against Cincinnati uh, one of the worst defenses in the NFL great matchup I actually played him um, who did I play him over? I played him over Philip Rivers so I didn't get I played actually I tell you what dude I played him over two people and the second one will surprise some but I played him over Philip Rivers and in a different league I played him over Aaron Rodgers um, and and again it's because of the matchups um, Cincinnati is horrible you know Baker Mayfield was was on a good run and uh, I didn't like the matchups for Aaron Rodgers, who's been relatively pedestrian. Um, and I definitely did not like the matchup for Phillip Rivers, although that ended up proving me wrong anyways. But Arizona at the time uh, had given up, I think, the third fewest fantasy points per game to the quarterback. So I was actually really surprised uh, by how well Phillip Rivers performed. But uh, regardless, was still paid off on both moves because Baker Mayfield had four touchdowns. So it's all good. Um, but that being said, I, I just don't think the Carolina offense is, or excuse me, the Cleveland offense is, is great. I, I think it's good. I just don't think it's great. Uh, and they do rely heavily, I think on game script and, and those types of things. So, um, I don't, to me, like I said, because Freddie kitchens and because uh, of Greg Williams, I don't necessarily know if they want to throw, the ball, you know, 40 times a game. And because of that, I just don't think Baker is necessarily an absolute must start, uh, but he's a good player. You know, he's a good player and he's finding the it's right guys close. and it's getting close. Don't get me wrong. Uh, look, if you talked to me six weeks ago, I would have laughed. I would have said, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even roster Baker Mayfield. Right. I think I literally said that six weeks ago, like Baker's not even worth a roster spot. And obviously proven extremely wrong in that regard. But he's a great streamable quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So here's I'm going to go down a list here of other quarterbacks, and then we're going to get to Gronkowski real quick. And now it's not going to go from must start. It's going to go – so are these names, these quarterbacks that have been the stalwarts of fantasy, are they now benchable, James? And at the top of the list, speaking of Gronkowski, is Tom Brady. 
I mean, if we look at, again, stri- uh, and that's what, I think this is great that you said that earlier. This is the name practice. Strip the name off the back of the jersey, and is not Tom Brady benchable? Oh, he's 100% benchable. I mean, there, there's, again, we talk about Baker Mayfield. I, I would have gladly played Baker Mayfield. I would have given it no, no thought at all to play Baker Mayfield last week over Tom Brady. No thought whatsoever. Um, look, Baker, where, where is uh, Tom Brady right now in terms of per game scoring? It's not very, he's the, the quarterback 14. Yeah. He's the quarterback 14 on per game scoring guys. So no, I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, Dak well, Prescott I, with his hot streak. Patrick, he's 15. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, there you go. So I, I think, <laughs> I think Dak Prescott, who is obviously on a, a pretty good hot streak is right behind him, you know, According to Fantasy Pros, you know, Tom Brady averaging 17.7 points per game. Um, this is for four-point uh, you know, passing touchdowns. But Dak Prescott's got 17.4 fantasy points per game. So he's right there. I mean, yeah, Tom Brady's benchable 100% for sure. As bad as Eli Manning has been. He's the quarterback 17, averaging 15.2 fantasy points per game. So, you know, again, we're, we're talking Tom Brady as a matchup guy. And, and that's it. I don't, you know, I don't see him as a must start at all. I mean, he's not even a, he, again, in per game score, he's not even a top 10 quarterback. So, so no, he's, he's definitely not to me. Uh, he's absolutely a benchable asset. All right. That's fair. Let's next one. Then let's keep going down this list. Carson Wentz, because until two games ago, so the previous six games, this guy was averaging over 20 points per actually around 22, 23 points per game. And something that you and I have talked a lot about because we went way in depth with the trade of Golden Tate. And then we talked about it again last week. It seems like once Golden Tate got there, he just not ruined everything. He ruined Carson Wentz too in this entire passing game. Yeah. I mean, I think the matchups definitely had something to do with that. They played Dallas, you know, in the last couple of weeks and Dallas is a very, very tough pass defense. Um, yeah. You know, the last six weeks, Carson Wentz is the quarterback 19. Oh boy. that hurts um speaking of tom brady the quarterback 18 over the last six weeks so (laughs) so there you go um yeah i mean i i really like the mat look carson wentz is again a guy that is a matchup guy um that being said you like the matchup in a lot of weeks for him so um and i love the matchup this week and part of it too is again we talk about the secondary being banged up i think Washington's going to put some points on the board. And I do think that Philadelphia will be asked to, to put some points on the board as well. So, yeah, I think Carson Wentz absolutely worth a start this week. But um, somebody who I think is, again, it, it kind of in that matchup area, although definitely on the positive side of that because Philadelphia does score a lot of points. Okay. All right, last one. And this one's really going to be a kick to the gut for a lot of people out there, depending on what your answer is, because – QB 11 on the season, and actually because of Fitzpatrick, we want to talk about points per game. He drops down to 12. <laughs> of Looking at the past five games, solid numbers, over 23 times, two letdown games, a really miserable game last week in Minnesota, everybody. That's Aaron Rodgers. And it's mm. I, I don't, I'm sure you've seen it, the tweets that were going out. It was the past two days about how many balls he's been throwing outside the hash marks and how many of his passes have been thrown away in general and how many of his balls are tough passes to catch. And, like, Aaron Rodgers has some issues going on right now. And to be his credit, I mean, he is dealing with similar to Matthew Stafford and the receivers every single week. He's got Devontae Adams and somebody else who knows who the somebody else is. Is it Aaron Rodgers still dealing with the injury for the entire year? Is it the fact he has no receivers outside Adams? Is it? We get to the point, and Aaron Rodgers is no longer a must-start for your team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Again, we talk about in the last five weeks, he's not been that great. Last six weeks, he's not been that great. You know, on the season, he hasn't been all all that great either for the draft price that you paid. Um, and I just don't look, Mike McCarthy is, is, is a mess. Um, he's not a good coach, uh, at this point in his career where everything has been figured, like defenses have figured him out, period. And he has not adjusted. I think, <clears throat> I think five years ago, I think he's a great coach. You know, maybe even three years ago, he's a good coach, not a great coach. But slowly but surely, the defense, defenses around the league have figured him out. And they know exactly what he's going to call. They know exactly how to defend it. And they've added absolutely no wrinkles at all to the offense. That's just my humble opinion. Um, that being said, 
there are a lot of times where I think Aaron Rodgers does shoulder the blame. I don't think it's on the wide receivers. I really don't. Um, I think there's a lot of plays where Aaron Rodgers is just too greedy. Uh, where he is just looking downfield and he wants to make that crazy big play and he wants to make that, you know, you know, spectacular back shoulder throw. There's a lot of times when the running back is wide open, check down, open for five, but no, he doesn't want that. He wants that 15 yard out and it puts his offense in a bad situation where instead of 35, it's third and 10. So. You know who you used to be like that? And I, cause so Chris Harris, which I'm sure, you know, uh, asked me one time, and this is one of those practices where he say, you know, try to take all your biases out. He said, watch these four players and do so like you've never seen them before. Watch their film and pretend you've never seen them and tell me what you think. One of them was Kirk Cousins. And one of the things about Kirk Cousins was watched it again. And I see the same thing. I see somebody streaking over the middle of the field, 10 yards downfield, wide open. And he passes over top of that guy, 10 yards further downfield to somebody triple coverage. And you watched the game last week, and I feel like those roles have reversed to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, just the way he's playing the game right now, it's not – you know, in, in the early part of that game, the first half, Rodgers was on fire. I mean, yeah. he was making throws. Even though he wasn't putting up a huge fantasy points, like the bottom line was he was just on fire. He was hitting everything, back shoulder, over the top. Under, I mean, he was, he was vintage Aaron Rodgers, just surgical with the football. But in the second half, <clears throat> again, I think Minnesota made the proper adjustments. And, and they pretty much, again, I, you know, I ask people, go back to the game. Like, go and watch. Like, the middle of the field underneath is wide open, and Aaron Rodgers is not, not going to take it. <laughs> he, just, he just wasn't going to take it. Uh, and, again, that being said, look, the routes that these guys are running over and over, they're so deep. There's very few crossers. There's no, there's no easy throws. Um, there's no play calls where it's just like, hey, listen, man, like seven yards downfield and turn around and I'll hit you. Like there, there's no, there is none of that. There's, there's very few slants in this offense. You know what I'm saying? So um, shallow crossers, like where's the easy throws in this offense? I, it's just, I don't see them. I don't see them. Um, and yeah, like the easy throws that, that Aaron Rodgers are passing up, those are check downs. Uh, those aren't necessarily routes. You know what I'm saying? This not, it's not a, a play design. It's just not nice a check down. And he could check down more often, I think. Uh, but, you know, it, there's a lot of things wrong with this offense right now. And yeah, you know, getting back to the fancy angle of it, Aaron Rodgers is sadly, I don't think he's a must start. I, I mean, I, I just think he's somebody who's in a, in a matchup situation as well. Okay. All right. Last two and we'll get out of here, but let's turn it good as we get out of here for today. One is talking about quarterbacks on the flip side. Can Marcus Mariota potentially be a sneaky league winner? And I say that because, well, you see, I I love your response because if you look at it while he's been healthy over the past couple weeks, he's been a top 10 quarterback. He's been, the, he's been the Marcus Mariota people wanted to see last year when everybody was over on the Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Oh, this is going to be so amazing this year. But you laugh because of the same thing. It's like, it's Marcus Mariota, though. And it's Marcus Mariota who's also got Jacksonville next week. He's got the Giants and the Redskins to close things out. So I, I threw that out there. It just, maybe. Is there anything potentially here, James? I know you laugh, but so I already know. What <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think we're overstating it when we say potential league winner. I, I will say this. The, the offense has played a lot better. Um, I know a lot of folks aren't watching Tennessee Titan football, but um, over the last few weeks, they have played so much better offensively. I don't know what it is. Marcus Mariota's looked better. Maybe, look, Maybe it's just the fact that what, – what is he on, like his 17th offensive coordinator? Maybe <laughs> it's just the fact that Marcus Mariota's finally getting comfortable under the Matt LaFleur system. You know what I mean? Maybe We're going to be talking about the Sean McVay coaching tree in about 10 years. You realize that, right? It's possible. You know, it's possible. Or it's possible it's like the Belichick coaching tree where it doesn't actually mean anything. You know, right. where – a lot of these guys are just decent coordinators. What's the last it. one that really mattered? Is it the Holmgren? Like, I mean, what's the one that like, like legitimately, or is it actually, you know what? It's probably just Bill Parcells. I think it started with Parcells. Oh, it's, and, oh, it's Andy Reid. Oh, it's okay, Andy Reid by a, mile. That's fair. No, okay. That, that's a good one. Yes, you're right. Good uh, he's got a lot of guys out there that are, well, Doug Peterson's off that tree, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think I think Frank Reich has you know certain you know obvious you know um, Andy Reid ties to. It, it, look, there's a lot of good coaches out there that are tied to Andy Reid. Um, so yeah, that would be that's the that's the obvious one. But yeah, you're right, Parcells back in the day um, was certainly somebody that did that had a lot of good coaches. But I think today it's Andy Reid for sure. Yeah, that's a good call. All right, last one. And we talk about league winners again. And, you know, okay, maybe a league winners is a little bit of aggressive, but <laughs> we're trying to, like, like I said, we're trying to be positive to finish things out. Larry, good, good. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, potential league changers maybe is not as aggressive because I was shocked at this question, James. I got a question on Twitter yesterday saying, look at Josh Rosen's schedule. Is he a sneaky pickup? And I did what you did about the marriage. I laughed hard and I, the person couldn't hear me, but I was laughing extremely hard at Josh Rosen. I was like, dude, stop. Now you're not only overthinking it. You're just matchups. Don't mean that much, but right. Gerald and Christian Kirk. If you look at Arizona's schedule, the rest of the way, Green Bay this week, Detroit next week, Atlanta Rams. It doesn't get much better than that for wide receivers. Hmm. Okay. I'm not, I'm not an, I'm not an analyst that has done that, you know, work where, you know, I've uh, examined all the playoff schedules. Uh, I, I just, I still play this game week to week. So uh, I, I, this, that's good information right there for me, man. Um, that's interesting. You know, it is a very forgiving schedule and I will say this too. I think Rosen has played a little bit better as well. Um, as is to be expected. The guy's a rookie, man. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Now, will Christian, I, to me, I, I think Larry Fitzgerald is that guy. Christian Kirk, to me, is not necessarily, boy, I'd have to really think about that one because I, his target share overall is just not that great. I know he gets, a, he gets good air yards, but um, the target share is not, not ideal. <clears throat> so, I think there will be certain weeks where because of the air yards, you know, basically air yards gives for people who uninitiated, but air yards basically gives an indication of how high the ceiling can be. Right. So if it's a, a huge air yard share, but, um, but not a, a very large target share, there's just so much volatility. Targets really talk about floors and air yards really talks about ceilings. Um, that's really what we're ta talking about in terms of those two volume stats. And Christian Kirk to me just doesn't get, nearly enough targets for me to trust him all that much. Uh, but he does come with a lot of upside. There's no question. And then uh, Larry Fitzgerald, kind of the opposite, where he sees a lot of targets but not a ton of air yards. Um, and I, as a matter of fact, I'll just pull it up. So the last four weeks, Christian Kirk um, is, again, seeing you know 28% air yard share. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald, I'm actually surprised, right behind him. At, uh, so Christian Kirk, 28.6, and Larry Fitzgerald, 28.4. So basically the same amount of air yards and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm incorrect. Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald have seen the same amount of targets the last four weeks as well. There you so go. That's, that's interesting <laughs> to me. I, I, I know Larry Fitzgerald has way more targets than him on the season. I'm surprised over the last four weeks to see that kind of tilt um, to be basically even. That's interesting. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I guess with that information, I guess I would be a little bit more excited about Christian Kirk. There we go. Oh, look at that. We got James on board with Christian Kirk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it, overall, it's still not great. I mean, 20, no. you know, what is it? 2030. So 20% target share, 30% air yard share. That's decent. That's wide receiver two. That's definitely wide receiver two range. Um, in a, in a soft schedule, uh, in improving Rosen. Yeah. Okay. I can buy in on that. All uh, right, we, we got the Christian Kirk band. Let's, let's start the bandwagon. There you go. Add there it to Co-Nose for tomorrow. There you go. So, Love it. James Coe, at James D. Coe, on the Fantasy Zone on Sunday morning. Make sure you're checking out DirecTV. Make sure you check out his article, Co-Nose, and we'll be back. The season's almost over, but we'll be back next Thursday. James, can you believe it? I know, man. Season goes by quick. <sighs> too quick. All right, man. You have a good day. All right, you too. See you. Once again, that was Chris Harris today and James Coe getting you ready for week 13 of the fantasy football season. Can't believe it's almost over. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Make sure you check out my rankings article on theathletic.com. By the way, theathletic.com front slash all in sports. Get your 30% off. Go there and check it out because I gave you a lot of ways to keep people involved throughout the entire season, even if you're out of the playoffs. So you can keep the fun going. You don't have people checking out. You don't have the league ruined and all that type of stuff. And I just, that part was really essential, I think, 
for a lot of people trying to look for ways to keep everybody happy and involved. And like I said, I, I apparently... We're all more, James and I are more friendly than a lot of people because I, 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 maybe I'm a softie at heart and I just want everybody to have a good time and I don't mind trade deadlines. But hey, what, what are you going to do? So I'll be back on Monday with the Patreon, patreon.com front slash all in sports with Joe Pizapia and Chris Meany. Tuesdays and Thursdays as always on this. Oh, and Wednesday with the Patreon as well as again. Uh, reminder again, one more time, make sure it's the last week, it's your last chance. Go give this show a review rate it, subscribe, do all that stuff. Hopefully five stars. You don't have to, but if you want, definitely give it five stars because I'd appreciate it. And we will be giving away, or I will be giving away that signed Michael Thomas mini helmet for a nice little desk decoration for you guys. And I'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. I'll see you. You like it up there though? I mean, it's just cold. It's a bunch of bull. Like this is why I live in Los Angeles in the winter. Like pork chop sandwiches. Why am I here? I hate it.